Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly, and today we are welcoming a very special guest who also played our intro today, uh, Mr. Eric Trelevin. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, Eric is a musician. Uh, well, I guess I didn't have to say that. Everybody just heard him play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you play other instruments, Eric? Uh, guitar is the main instrument. Uh, I started playing trumpet when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Uh, and then switched over to string instruments, so guitar, bass, ukulele, mandolin, banjo, pretty much anything with strings and frets. Is it okay to ask what kind of guitar? Are there different kinds? Sure, yeah. Um, I primarily play like pop or rock uh, acoustic or electric guitar, um, just to differentiate between that and classical guitar. Um, I had a little bit of training on that uh, when I was younger, but uh, pursued this path instead. Okay, and... You teach? Yes. Okay, so who do you teach? Uh, okay, I teach, well, anyone from the age of, I've got my youngest student is probably about five years old, and I think in the last while, uh, the oldest being in their mid-70s, probably. So anyone who wants to learn. Both male and female? Both male and female. So you are a male musical yes. teacher? Yes. And is this private, Eric? Uh, I teach out of Music City. Uh, and I, I also take students in my home uh, and entertain house calls as well. Oh, okay. And as a pro uh, uh, I don't mean this as a professional, but when you say you play professionally, I, I don't know that everybody understands what that means. So in my mind, if you're professional, it's like you're playing and you're getting paid. Absolutely. Okay. And um, you're on a stage. Sure. Is yeah. that good? Stage or in a studio. Okay. Um, there are different worlds. Right, but but yeah, you're you're playing music and you're getting paid money to do so. Okay. Do you enjoy it? Yes. I don't know where to go with this because I have so many <laughs> questions to ask you. Everybody knows it's Men's Month, right? So we're, we we asked you to come because it's Men's Month. That sure. was one of the reasons. Although we had also talked about just having you on the show because we wanted to talk about how the brain functions and what music does for the brain, right? And also what it does for emotions and how yeah. to express them. And not that just men have troubles expressing emotions. I, I don't mean that. I know some people might say, hell yes, they do. <laughs> um, but that's not true of all men and it's not true of all women. Um, but it is something uh, I think mo a lot of people understand. If you think about when you listen to a song on the radio, it, it, music re helps us with recall. It helps us. It helps the memory come back. Sure. Um, and w and not a whole lot of other things can help in such an amazing way to retrieve memory. Right. I th I think because it's it's involving um, you know more than one of your senses. If I, I bet if you if you thought about it, you could think about a particular song, uh, or maybe you know maybe you're going about your day and a particular song comes on the radio, uh, you know, or wherever you're listening to music. And you jump back to, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago to, to a moment that song was playing um, that was important in your life. Yeah. So it can bring up a good memory. Yep. Um, it can bring up a bad memory. Yes. But even if it brings up a bad memory, I find that it can make me feel the emotion more intensely. Sure. And because of that, the emotion can process itself a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, I have to tell you that as we're talking about music, I want to dance. 
<laughs> we don't even have any music playing and all I can think about is moving my body remember that little girl Kelly <laughs> yeah I literally wanted remember she was like I can't stop you moving mom <laughs> you know what and that might be your first emotional reaction to music too right as as a person um, I can remember being as young as five or six years old and, and putting something on the stereo and just and dancing for, you know, what, what felt like hours. Who, who knows how long it was, but yeah. So I, I love to jump and talk about inspiration. Okay. So I, I want to pose the question, um, f- just for listeners, obviously, uh, when the first time you picked up a guitar and why? Um, I would have been 10 or 11 years old and it was at the family cottage. Uh, my dad uh, played for many years. He played, uh, I would say, professionally in high school, right? He was in, in bands and getting paid to do it then. Uh, decided to, to pick another path in life and not pursue that. Uh, but, but it was always around when I was growing up. You know, his friends, my uncles, they'd, they'd play at family gatherings. And, and you know, uh, I always saw the joy it brought them. I thought it was so cool. And so that, that was the first time I was at, a cotta- at the cottage. And uh, he sat down and showed me, you know, one song and I was hooked. Now, I know the family, and I know they sing. Yep. So was it was it singing as well that you were witnessing when you were a kid? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. That was not something I was interested in at first, though. That took some time. <laughs> well, I think a lot of families can relate to that. Yeah. Um, whether they're any good or not. Because sure. maybe in some families it just didn't matter. Um, it, but everybody could contribute in some way, whether it was spoons yep. or... Um, I know some clients that have come through, and these are dead people, yeah. um, that have talked about the different musical instruments that they just grabbed out of the kitchen yeah. and played in the house or in the barn or whatever. Yeah. And the whole idea around get-togethers, funerals or weddings or anything, even just on the weekend, mm-hmm. was to sit down and take out some music and play it and sing. Yeah. yeah. I was told I was tone deaf. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> Maybe we'll test that today. <laughs> I wanted to sing in the choir at St. Joseph's College, and I still remember the music teacher telling me not to bother okay. actually singing, um, that I could just move my mouth. And I was so embarrassed and humiliated that I did not tell my parents. Okay. So when they came to the concert, I wanted them to think that I was singing with the rest of the choir. Right. And I tell that. I can say that in this um, podcast because I, th- I think there are also people that feel that part. They might listen to this show but not know how to relate because yeah. they were the one that was kind of pushed out that wasn't the musical one. Yeah, I think that's actually, that's a lot of people's experience. Uh, I had some some negative experiences through, uh, I'm going to say mostly elementary school um, with various music teachers. Even today, I had a student who's, I'm going to say maybe 11 years old, and uh, her and I worked on a piece together for her to play at a recital last year at the school, and uh, she was telling me today, you know, she wants to prepare something for this year's recital, but she only wants to play chords. She doesn't want to play the melody because last year she, you know, she made a mistake in the melody, and she saw her music teacher kind of snicker, you know, when she did it, and uh, so it's still happening, you know, even, even to, you know, she's someone who I would consider very musical. You know, she's been playing for a year and, you know, has picked it up rather quickly. Well, I think it's one of the things that, that we try to to learn in life is how to overcome those moments, whether yeah. it's sports or music. 
Sure. Um, in any way when we or cooking, Lord, you, you, you can stand in the kitchen and <laughs> bake something and it's Kelly's lemon squares and I know I'm, I'm picking on Kelly's lemon squares because <laughs> that's actually accurate. <laughs> and and they get fudged a few times. Um and, and you don't want to go back. Yeah. You know, she's shying away from the kitchen and the lemon squares right now. Yeah. And I and I know she's gotta get back in there at some point when she makes that decision in life and <laughs> gives something a try. Am I ever getting deja vu? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna sit back and let you two talk oh, oh, oh. i thought i was gonna change you a pep talk <laughs> i probably still need it um okay so we talked about inspiration and i know we want to launch into a lot of different topics about uh, like male and female and, and the way that you teach maybe differently or if it's the same right. um, but i still want to talk about your journey with music because you've shared a lot of different stories um just from growing up and then uh in your early 20s uh, and your experience with music, I'll say sober, right? And under the influence, sure. So, are you comfortable sharing those stories? Yeah. Okay, I'll give it to you then. Yeah. Well, wh- where do you want to start? Um, I guess the way that you listen. Maybe that's a better a better place to start. Uh, when you were young, sitting on the bus, I know you've talked about mm. putting your headphones in and kind of being in your own world yeah. and what you experienced there. Um, yeah, I think the. My earliest recollection of really falling in love with music would have been in my early teens, uh, shortly after I picked up the guitar. And, you know, uh, I had a long, long bus ride. It was about 40 minutes each way to high school. Uh, I would sit and I would listen. And I think at that time, you know, you're, go- you're going through a lot in your life and you're, you're really finding something that you identify with inside the music. Um, and I know that I- I've mentioned to you guys both before that, you know, a lot of times when I listen to music, I don't hear I don't hear the words or the lyrics as much. It's something I have to, to really strive to listen for. Um, but even the feeling that the music conveys, right? Maybe, you know, you identify with that. I think at that stage of my life, it was uh, heavier, more angsty kind of music. And I, I think a lot of, of teenage teenagers, maybe, maybe more specifically teenage boys, really identify with that. So I'm going to ask maybe... Th- the the layman's questions yeah um when you say angsty music do you refer to a note or do you refer to a type of instrument that plays that 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 angst it's a sound okay so you know not necessarily the instrument just just a heavier louder sound um you know and and it's supporting a lyrical content that that that's along those lines as well but you're saying even though you don't hear the lyric or the lyrics that you're still you're still emoting absolutely and you're saying that young men resonate with this absolutely okay yeah so eric is the angst frustration sure you know um whatever you're going through at the time at you know 14 years old it's it's teachers it's school it's your parents um yeah just just everything you're not you know maybe you're not identifying with that that people want you to and music's an outlet for that boy how to put words to that eh (laughs) That's a challenge because, well, I think people can have to sit in it because you still feel that way when you're grieving. Yeah. You still feel that way all through life. And I know you're pointing out that it starts, maybe it really begins at that point, Eric, when you kind of, you maybe you consciously look to music to help you for the first time. Maybe as a kid, it just brings it up. Sure. But as, an, as a, t- a young adult, as a teenager, you're starting to know where you can um put the two together yeah mm. i'd imagine too um what's even more hurtful i'll say is uh, a lot of parents don't like the music their children pick 
So Absolutely. If, if you're referring to resonating with music because of the frustration and the feelings that you're experiencing, and then your parents are adamant on not listening to it, they're, they're now disagreeing with your feelings. Yes. And it's just a further, um, well, it's not, it's not acknowledging what's actually what you're experiencing. Yeah. And that, I don't know, while that might distance you from, from your parents or wh whoever's trying to push you away from this music, um, at, at least I know for me, um, it was more my mom that was pushing me away from that kind of stuff, right? My dad, my dad was a big music buff, and so he, he understood where I was coming from, I think. Um, but the more someone tells you not to do something, the more you want to do it, right? It's like anything. The other, the other thing that's really interesting, too, um, you're not going through it alone, right? Uh, everybody at your age is kind of going through the same sort of thing. Uh, and at that time, too, we were all sort of listening to the same music, right? I, you know, I'd go to school and, you know, my friend Chris would say, hey, have you heard the new whatever? And I said, oh, no, I haven't, right? And he's got a copy of this and I've got a copy of something else, right? So it'd be, we'd be sharing CDs, right? And, and it was all the same sort of music. So you're going through that, that phase in your life with other, with other like-minded people. So is that a way to communicate through the music? If sure. the two of yeah. you are having a hard time yeah. both saying what you're struggling with? Yeah. Yeah, quite oh, possibly. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of, of I shouldn't say the female experience because this is probably not, not right. But if I go to that age yep. and think about chatting about music with friends, it was always about the artist. Okay. And if it was a male one, it was whether or not you had a crush on this person. <laughs> if it was a female artist, it was like you wanted to look like them. Right. But and perhaps as musicians, you're actually talking about the instruments, the sound, oh, absolutely. the story that yeah. they're telling, yeah. as opposed to the appearance. Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, being a musician, the other thing, sorry, is another thing that separates you from from other people who, you know, maybe you don't feel you're like or you feel like, you, you know, you're different from. Um, we had a special a special group, a special bond that that some or not many people could touch. Right. And what was even cooler, you know, was, you know, you'd get the new the new album from whoever. Um, I'm trying to think back to who would have been big, maybe like Alexis on Fire or something. Right. And you go home uh, and you figure out how to play those songs. And I remember sitting in my basement, turning my amp up like as loud as it would go. Right. And the, the feeling of power you get, maybe, or it, it felt really, really good to play those songs. And then, you know, you get in a room with your friends who've been doing the same thing. And it's even cooler, right, to hear it all kind of come together for the first time. Well, it really is empowering in the ways the ways that I think most adults want our children to feel empowered. Sure. Even though maybe they're not actually picking that particular song, but we're still getting to the same goal. Yep. I like watching the connection that happens. And I don't know if that happened as a teen when you're talking about getting together and playing with friends, uh, but you're talking about having similar experiences mm -hmm. and then communicating about it through music. Um and I've watched you play with different friends and, yeah. and really literally how you look at one another uh, and where you'll say, you know, you can anticipate what the person's going to do next or how yeah. they're going to play. Uh, and that, that is a different kind of bond Sure. that I think perhaps athletes can understand yeah. uh, where they anticipate each other um, and just the, the intuition that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and even more so, you know, you, you form very special bonds with, with certain people. Especially now, you know, the musical world is so diverse. What's really interesting is finding somebody who's, you know, in tune with the same sort of things you are, not only as a person, but as a musician, right? And, and sitting down and sharing an experience like that with them, uh, that's a, a very special feeling as well.
Um, oh, I was going to change the topic, but I don't want to be rude. Is, is, are, am I okay to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've had conversations in the past about left-right brain. Yes. Is it okay to go in that direction? Let's go there. Okay, because... Well, maybe we can come back to the drug story later. <laughs> oh, no, go to, the, go to your no, drugs. No, no, it's sorry. Good. Keep going. No, Eric, I'm sorry. Okay. Let's go back. Kelly had asked you, let's just backtrack, because Kelly had asked you um, something about when... Um, that you had a period of time. Oh, sorry, Kelly, you could do it. <laughs> it was it was about experiencing music, right? So you yeah. you kind of opened and talked about uh, how you experienced it when you were, you know, a young teen. Yep. Uh, but you've you've also talked about going from hearing lyric or sorry, not hearing lyrics to then hearing them and really striving to hear it, and right. then also being under the influence. Sure. And feeling the music and also seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, alcohol and drugs have been associated with with music culture for as long as it goes back both as a listener and as a performer, you know, and, and I can speak to, to that fact, uh, having been on the road with different bands and, you know, that's, it's sort of a part of everyday life for, for a lot of those people. Some early on, you know, they, they kind of get out of that lifestyle and some people, people stay with that for, for a very long time. For me, when I started playing professionally, I was maybe just 19 or 20, I think. So, you know, uh, those nights where, you know, my friends were, you know, going out to the bar to have a couple of drinks and I was playing. Right. So they'd come and see me, you know, we'd all have a couple of drinks together while I was working. Uh, and it was it was sort of part of that lifestyle. Right. And as, as I've gotten older, I've tried to separate that, you know, where, where work is work and then friends are friends kind of thing. Uh, I think you have to do that. But I think you're thinking of the one one story in particular. Well, marijuana goes, you know, hand in hand with with music for a lot of people. Uh, lots of people who I know uh, rely on it for an altered listening experience or maybe a deeper listening experience. And I, I can definitely speak to that. I've tried it a couple times and, you know, uh, there was one time in particular where I had to learn, I don't know, eight or 10 songs for, for a band that I'd never played with. They were a, a band that was sort of outside of my comfort, comfort zone, what I normally play. And I kind of listened to the album once or twice and wasn't, wasn't sure what to pick out of it. And then uh, later on, you know, maybe one night I took, I took some marijuana and I sat down and I listened to the album front to back and I put a piece of paper in front of me and I wrote down, you know, song by song, everything I heard. And then I went back the next morning, pulled it up again, took my notepad out and, and I went back and I evaluated my notes, right? And what was interesting was there were things that I maybe would not have picked out had I been totally sober, right? So it, it just, it draws your attention more specifically to different parts of the song. I find that really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I've never done any drugs. Yep. So I don't know, and I don't have any judgment around that either, by the right. way. I just don't know. Yeah. So it's cool to hear that you can listen to something and your hearing can be made uh, more accurate. Sure. Is that what you'd say? Or more yeah, in tune? It's more in tune. Okay. Yeah. More perceptive. Sure. Sharper. Yep. Well, and you, you talked about people using drugs for a listening experience, but, and it, yeah. you know, definitely people know that people use it for creative or, or creating. Yep. Um, and you hear people talk about seeing sound or hearing colors. Absolutely. Um, and I think the Across the Universe yes. com comes to mind yep. watching that DVD. Yep. And I think that, that really heavily illustrated, uh, well, drugs and music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love hearing, hearing the experience of how you see and, and I guess intake uh, and pull things out because you've talked about uh, trying to hear different pieces and things that people wouldn't normally pick up on and then kind of amplifying those things. Um, when you, t you talk about, um, you just mentioned being able to see colors 
uh, when when you take drugs. Is that what I heard? Mm-hmm. When someone's playing music. Well, I get that. Yeah. But I, uh, but I I would call that being shamanic. Okay. I would call that being intuitive. So I I guess I can say that I I don't know that it's exactly the same, but I see geometric shapes. Right. I see colors. I see movement. So it's, it's, it's not, sometimes I would say it's like ribbons and in energy healing, it's like you see them in and out of the body. Okay. So they go into the person's body. Yeah. If you want to call being tripped out here, Eric. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is when I'm like totally working and I'm not strung out on anything. Um, I can see the colors go as like ribbons into the organs yeah. and then come out of the organs. But I want to, I want to keep going with that. Okay. Because I always say to my clients, your organs talk. Okay. Your organs tell me stories. They tell me the things that are, have happened to you. So if you think about the lyrics of a, sto- of a song, yeah. then it's kind of cool to think and, and relay that whole thing that I'm hearing the organs mm-hmm. telling a story that are the lyrics to the music. Sure. And you're talking about the same thing. Or yeah. are we? I think we're on the same page, yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, very neat. So when you see, uh, or when you see when you're playing, yeah. whether you're high or not, or you're sober or not, I don't know all the the right terms for that. If sober means you could be high too, does it? No. Sober gonna, s- alcohol. Uh, or drugs. I think like oh. under under any any influence, right? Oh, okay. Um, so under no influence would be sober. Yes. Okay, so I am sober. Right. All right. So in a sober experience, um, you can still see colors and shapes. And I know not all humans are going to understand that. But if they have non-sober experiences, would you say it non-sober? Sure. Okay. If you have non-sober experiences. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) If you have a non-sober experience and you're seeing all of that, then are both real? Are both are okay. humans yeah, okay. capable okay. it's of all this? it's all your brain right yes. i mean it's just it's just an altered state of thinking um what's really cool though I, I think the goal is to be able to to hear those things in music without any interference or any sort of assistance from a substance you can i think there there are definitely times i can think back on some very specific times where i i've been sitting with my guitar and you walk out of a room and you feel like you're high as a kite right you're, you're just so immersed in the experience and, and you feel the notes and and that's I think that's the goal every time you play is to is to try and enter that state um, with just the music alone right and it's it's certainly possible I made a joke earlier when you guys asked me to play the song you know I said turn around I need to put my hoodie on I need to get in in my space and one part of the job I've always found kind of difficult is is being in a recording studio in a situation where you're creating on the spot Maybe you're not in the most creative environment, right? You're not the most inspired. You're sitting in somebody's basement. You know, your amp is sitting in some other room and you're listening to your guitar come back through speakers from a computer, right? So you're not, you're not feeling the power of the amp. You're not hearing the sound like you're used to hearing it. It's, it's difficult to get into that state of mind. And, and that's exactly what I do sometimes. Is I'll, I'll turn around from everybody. I'll put like my hood up, my hat on, whatever it is, and just try and be in my own little world. And, and I think that's that's how I sort of achieve that. And sometimes it takes, you know, three or four takes through through a song to kind of to get into that headspace. But once you're there, you're there, which is cool. 
I love it, Eric. This reminds me of our <coughs> one of our favorite shows we talk about on, on the our this coffee show, Grey's Anatomy, okay. where in surgery, um, some of them play music. Okay, sure. And when you talk about getting into the zone, Absolutely. when a student is studying, and I remember when we were kids, our parents didn't want music in the house. Right. It was supposed to be dead silent, no TV, no music. You were supposed to be doing your homework. And now I understand that society has changed in some ways in that they understand that when you are listening to music and now they even create beautiful music to yeah. help remember yeah. to store things in memory. Absolutely. So I think about what the beautiful things that music has done, um, you know, whether it's to help Karen pull colors in and out of organs or an actual surgeon <laughs> <laughs> doing it in a, in a totally different way. But what music can can pull out of us, I guess, is what I'm sure. saying. I think maybe a good example. I've never had much luck with this. Um, is is I know a lot of people, or sorry, maybe when I was in high school or university, people who studied with their headphones in, right, and would want to write their their tests with their headphones in. Maybe it was because they pre-recorded their answers for themselves. But I think, <laughs> I think possibly, you know. Um, so say you're studying, you know, you're studying whatever subject in science. You put on whatever album you listen to the album while you're studying i wonder you know i've always thought maybe you know you get to a certain question or you know the music goes to a certain part and you know that musical passage whatever it is triggers your memory back to when you were studying right you're it's just you're, you're creating pathways in the brain with music for a different purpose well, this is something that, well, I think we're going to talk for hours. Um, you're talking about creating pathways in the brain. Yeah. And I've, I've watched the dexterity that you have, the muscle movement, the muscle memory. Um, and that's all part of development and healthy yeah. development. Sure. And I think people think it's exceptional, and it certainly is because it takes so much practice in mastering that craft. But it's such an important part of development for the brain itself, not just for the fingers. Sure. And people don't. Maybe don't give the credit to the brain itself. Yeah, I think maybe this would be a good time to, to talk about your, your left brain, right brain. Yeah, sure. Stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've read some studies that say music is one of the the few subjects that, that you're using both sides of your brain. Or you should be using both sides of your brain, right? You certainly can use one or the other. So, okay, so sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. The right brain is your creative side, correct? And the left brain is your logical side? Okay, so there's there's a few different ways you can learn music. Um, you can read, you can read notation, you know, so there's standard notation where, you know, you look at the music staff and this note is always a G, you know, and it tells you how many beats you need to play it for. You can read a whole piece. Technically, um, if you're good enough, you can sit down with a piece never having seen it before and you could play the piece from front to back, never having heard it, right? In popular culture, they've come up with a system called tabulature which is specific for instruments with strings and frets. Okay, so that's, you know, guitar, bass, mandolin, those types of things. Primarily guitar and bass, right? That's, that's what most young people are learning. And, you, you know, you can go to the internet and find these, these tabs anywhere. And it's a numerical system where, you know, they, there's six lines for the six strings on your guitar, and then the numbers on the lines indicate what fret you're playing. So anyone, it's very, very easy to read. It's not like learning music notation where it's like learning a whole new language, right? It's, it's very simple. The thing it lacks, it, it doesn't let you, or sorry, it doesn't tell you how long to hold each note for. So you're relying, or sorry, it's relying on you knowing the melody of the song, the rhythm of the song to be able to play it back. So you're using a little bit more of your, your right brain there, right? Having to recall the song. 
you can also learn by rote. So I, you know, I could sit you down and I could, you know, I could put a guitar in your Kelly's hand and I could say, you know, put your finger here, you know, play this note, you know, then you play this note, then you play this note, you know, or, or whatever pattern is. And you could, you know, you'd sit there and you'd, you'd practice it over and over until, until you've memorized or until you've got it right. Okay. So that, that would be learning by rote. Um, so the, the other side of the brain, the right side of the brain is, is playing by ear. So, you know, you hear something and then you can play it back. And some people are very, very good at that, right? Some people are quite the opposite. Uh, and I've worked with musicians on both sides of the spectrum. I think they're both so fascinating. But when you can pull both of those skills together or all of those skills together, right? So you're using your knowledge and your logic of your left brain and the creativity and your intuition from your right brain. Uh, that's when you're, you're truly creating music, right? You're in the moment, you're immersed in it, and you're creating. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I love, I could listen to that all day. Um, and I've watched you do both. So I've, I've listened to you say it's just math uh, and explain, I'll say, the left <laughs> side of the brain. But yeah. I've, also, I've also seen you, um, you know, just casually in conversation when you're holding your guitar, you'll hear something and you'll close your eyes or you'll close one eye, um, and you can play it back. Yeah. So you're, that's when you're talking about blending the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I keep referring to that as being a whole human being. Sure. Yeah. Because you're engaging both sides of the brain. Yep. And it's really, if it's something that we can do in every other aspect of life, then why wouldn't we want to have that same experience Absolutely. over and over again? Yeah. It's just like having an athlete who learns, if you want to say by rote, meaning practice. Yeah. And that it makes sense. Yeah. And the coach, and, and you understand a process yep. and a training. Yep. So that's the left side. But then you also want something in that athlete. Every coach wants something in that athlete that's left-sided. Oh, yeah. You have to be intuitive. Yes. Right? You have to anticipate what, what might happen. Yes. And understand and feed off the energy of the other people if it's team. Yep. So you want them to be able to be fully human. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things we get to see and we get to enjoy in people when we get to see both sides in someone. Mm -hmm. It's what makes them, it's what Kelly refers to as when someone is hot. And, and well, it was. Okay. It, it, she would refer to as, oh my God, it's, it's so hot. Oh. It turns me on. Because <laughs> it, what it means, I hope I'm saying this right, Kelly, but you can knock me off my chair here if I'm not. Um, it means that the person is fully human. Okay. That they're they're using the left side, the right side. How how can you not fall in love with that person in that yeah. moment mm -hmm. when they are themselves and they are sharing it with you? Yeah. How can you not? I think the first the first person that comes to mind when you say that is Twitch, because uh, I've been watching him dance on So You Think You Can Dance for years. But it, like everything's so calculated, everything's so precise for his style. Uh, and then there's just so much fluidity in the movement and there's so much, again, anticipation with a, like dancing with a partner. Um, and like you say, to watch someone be all of who they are is, I think, the most attractive, right? It's, it's when they're in their element. It's when they're, ha they're happiest and everyone feels that. You know, I think of Celine Dion on stage. <laughs> it's a powerhouse, right? It's, yeah, and I think yeah. every time I think of singers and I think specifically her and actually one of Faith Hill's videos, when they, when they open their arms, they're singing those like big powerful notes. They open their arms and you can just feel everything coming, yeah. coming through them and, and into you as well. Singing, I think, is, is something very special and different from any other instrument, right? Because you, you're creating that sound just with your own body, 
right? There's no external instrument that you're, you're using to help you create that. And I think singing is one of the things that people are most afraid of, right? Because you're judged when you sing, you know, by, by whoever. Uh, and I think a lot of people have maybe had negative experiences with that, are, are shy about how their own voice sounds, but I don't know. I don't care if it's in your own shower. You know, if you're singing at the top of your lungs and it's, it's something you identify with, you feel really good. And I think that's that's one of the the coolest connections I've ever had to music is is when I've been singing too, right? Because it's you, you feel it within your body. I think a little more than maybe playing an instrument. Can I switch topics slightly? Sure. Because we're still talking about the brain, and I know mm -hmm. that in both of our practices, um, we refer a lot of people to you, mm -hmm. especially children, uh, who have an abundance of energy. I'll say. Right. Maybe a lack of attention and their their behaviors in class or school look chaotic. Right. Where they can't really focus too long on one thing or they're obsessive about one particular area. Yeah. Um, whether it's just curiosity or, or dedication, uh, whichever. And guitar seems to be a great outlet. Sure. Because of the chaos uh, that it takes to create. Yeah. Uh, to move, to feel. Yeah. Um, can, do you resonate with that then? I agree and I disagree. Um, I completely agree that it is, it's a great outlet and, you know, and it's a way to, to fill your time and to, and to, it's a, it's a place to put that energy. Um, but it takes a lot of meticulous practice to get there. Right. So, so maybe guitar is not the place for those. Uh, and I've seen it in, in those kids, right. Where, uh, they really struggle with with the putting the time in to get there, because it takes so much practice to get to a point where you can be creative with it. Um, some people it's more than others, um, but but I find, you know, those kids really struggle sometimes with the guitar because because you're using such fine motor skills, right? And also you're using two hands, and they're doing completely independent things. Right, your left hand is is fretting the fretboard. You're pressing down the strings, and at the same time, your right hand is picking the strings. Right, so um, you're really having to watch two things, and it's I've seen it be uh, quite a struggle for for a lot of people. Right, where you you almost have to separate the two different skills for the first little while. Um, just as simple as you know, uh, knowing where your right hand is on the guitar, and I think too in the last. So I've been teaching since about two thousand nine. I taught from 2009 until 2011 or 12 and then uh, I took a break and I've been back at it for two or three years now again and even in that time like from 2009 till now I've seen a big change in kids and I think I think it's just there, there's too much external stimulation out there so you know when I was 12 years old and I went home I either had you know I could watch an episode on tv and you know that whatever show I wanted to watch was only on you know, from 5 to 5.30 or from, from whatever, right? There are small blocks. Or, you know, I think when I started playing guitar, I'm pretty sure we had dial-up internet, right? And we had, I could be wrong, but we had like X amount of minutes a month, right? So, you know, say you had 60 minutes a month of internet time. You know, I wasn't able to spend my time playing games and, you know, doing this and doing that. Um, so I think I think that, that that's a, an issue we're facing today. Or, you know that that we're facing in the music world. Oh, I just watched a thing on the TV on TED Talks um, that a, a woman was just uh, doing a talk on this, saying that the average person spends five hours a day on the TV. Yeah, and not is that just the TV? 
That's just the TV. Because think That's about how much time internet and, and all phones, the other. right? Especially now that I've, I've got 10-year-old kids coming in with their phones. They're, you know, they're connected to, be it, you know, their friends on Instagram or Snapchat or, or whatever, or, you know, just playing games constantly, you know, and, and especially the way our phones are designed, unless you turn the features off, right, you're, you're being pumped full of, of information, you know, sometimes every five minutes, you know, your phone goes off in your pocket. And at that age, too, it, it's harder to concentrate for, for a period of time uh, on a good day without distractions. Yeah, I, I agree that it can be if, if they can pass that initial, the initial learning stage, I guess. Right? If they can get to a point where they can, you know, they can make two or three chords, they can play music. Uh, and I do my best to simplify it for them, right? If it's, if it's a really young kid, a lot of the times I'll, I'll Velcro off the top three strings of the guitar so that, you know, when they're swinging their hand at it, they're, you know, it sounds good. There, there's no extra rattling going on. So there are, there are ways to do it, but you need, you need someone that's, that's willing to cooperate to a degree. And I think, I don't know, I think I want to say that comes down to parents uh, to a point. If you've got a six-year-old kid in, in guitar lessons, it's the same as when you're teaching somebody to read, right? They need, they need extra help at home. If they can't be with me for 30 minutes a week, come back next week, spend 30 minutes, right? Not having had structured practice at home. It reminds me of training, Parker. Okay. <laughs> well, because we would go to class and maybe if anybody has a pet, they can also relate to that in case yeah. they don't have music in their home or have learned an instrument or yeah. practice singing. But we would, Kelly and I would take Parker to class once a week for an hour. Yeah. But for the other six nights, we had to divvy up on the kitchen fridge all the commands he had to learn before yeah. the next class. Yeah. And holy crap, Aaron, or Eric, <laughs> when Aaron was the teacher, when we showed up at class, we had to be able to do that because yeah. it built on the next class with Parker. So if he didn't know how to sit, stand, come do certain commands, everybody in the class knew you didn't do your homework because your right. dog wasn't doing anything. Yeah. So they're, so they're training the owners as much as they're training the pets, right? And maybe that's something I need to implement in, in my lessons, right? Exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, it's difficult the way it's set up right now. I mean, I've got 30 minutes to work with somebody. Uh, a lot of the times with these, these younger students, what I've been doing is bringing their parents in for the last... Like, a kid's attention span is so short, right? I mean, I'm not going to get 30 minutes of, of cooperation out of them no matter what I do. You know, so break it up so, you know, the first five minutes is them taking their mitts off, whatever they have to do. And, you know, if I can get 10 or 15 minutes of practice time out of them and then bring the parent in the room at the end and, and you're, you're teaching the parent as well, right? You're saying, this is what we did today, you know, and a lot of the times I'll hand them the kid's ukulele or guitar and say, I'm going to teach you now, right? So, so you can go home and you can help him or her. Oh, my goodness, Eric. Can I think of how many parents want to drop their kids off at a <laughs> practice? Yeah. Whether it's hockey or music yeah. or whatever it is. And the last thing they want to do is be involved. Yeah. They want their Tim Hortons. <laughs> they want to socialize with the other parents. They don't want, seriously, yeah. Yeah. they don't want to have to know exactly um, what their child has done during that period of time and then go home and do it with them or make sure they're doing it and do it right. Yeah. But Eric, if they don't go into a class, like if Kelly was five years old and I don't know how to play guitar and she's gone to your class yeah. for, for half an hour and then she has to come home and do homework, how do I help? Right. I think you, you almost have to learn alongside her. The exercises for someone that young are simple. 
You know, I don't care who you are as an adult, you'll be able to do it. I, I can sit you down and, you know, in, in five minutes and teach you the skills, you know, that I've spent a month teaching a six-year-old. At that age in particular, I'm going to just ballpark and say between the ages of five and ten. I, I, won't, I haven't ever taken anyone out of the age of five. Uh, most guitar teachers I know refused or to take students under the age of nine or ten. Uh, and I totally understand. It's a lot more work, and you're, you're relying on the parent a lot more. You know, once you hit a certain age, if it's 9, 10, whatever it is, you're, you feel more responsible for your homework, I think. At least, I know when I was learning guitar, for me, it was an outlet, right? It, it was creativity. It was fun. It was, never, it was never work. So I always took it upon myself to just pick up my guitar and play at home because I wanted to. And that's the goal with students, right? You want it to be an outlet for them like that. What doesn't matter how far they, they want to take it in life, right? If as a teacher, for me, I, I feel fulfilled if I know a student has a happy place, right? If, if music is, a, is a, a, a getaway for them, if it's, you know, if it's somewhere they can retreat to, if it's something that they can share with friends and family, that's a success to me. Do you mind sharing what your Christmas idea was for your students? Sure, the, the cards yeah, for the parents. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. beautiful. I think certain certain students I have especially have, have parents who are very committed, you know, it's the same parent every week that brings them. One one little girl in particular I can think of, it's, it's her grandmother who brings her every single week. And she just loves it. She also comes to a ukulele class at Music City uh, once a week as well. So she's playing guitar and ukulele. She's 10 or 11 years old. Anytime I recommend something to the grandmother, she's got it in, you know, that day. I say, her guitar looks like it's getting a little bit dry. This is the product that you need to maintain it or you know hey it looks like you probably need some new strings and then like at the end of the lesson she's knocking on the door going how do I use this right which which is awesome because like you kind of mentioned earlier there are some students I have whose parents I've never met they drop them off outside the kid walks in that's it I have no idea who they are so an idea I had was you know to send home Christmas cards to to the parents saying you know first of all thank you for enrolling your student in, in music lessons you know it's it's a very valuable experience for them but to further their education, I challenge you to take them out. Here's a, here's a Twigs gift card for five bucks. Go get yourself a coffee or a tea, get them a hot chocolate, whatever they want, and, and go out, turn your phone off, put all that stuff away, and, and play them a song and, you know, and tell them why you like it. Have them do the same thing. Take an interest in, in the music they like, whether it's, whether it's what you want to listen to or not. That was a big experience for me as a kid. I remember road trips with my dad, going to the cottage, you know, just driving back and forth from North Bay to Sudbury to visit family. A lot of the times we'd take two vehicles. My sister would go with my mom and I'd go with my dad, especially if we're on different schedules, right? And he'd be playing me the music that he listened to growing up. And I remember I was thinking about this this morning. He'd have the radio on to the rock station, you know, and it would, a song would come on and he'd quiz me and go, who is that? And I remember being like eight years old going like, how the hell am I supposed to know? Like, and I, I was just in total bewilderment that he could he could hear a song like the first three or four notes and go oh that's this song by this person right and, and that was a really cool cool education too right without without knowing it was happening identifying an artist based on their voice or their guitar sound or you know the sound of a certain record you're learning about the elements of music without actually knowing about it you're learning about tone you're learning about timbre you're, you're learning about all that kind of stuff um <laughs> okay Eric your dad um could identify the music yeah and and put the artist and the song sure my dad knew the person who was dead 
in that family <laughs> and what casket number he buried them in. Absolutely. And <laughs> so we all have different things about our dads yeah. <laughs> and what they associate things with. And I just, when you were saying that, it just brought back a, a, a funny little memory <laughs> that that's, I, I'll say weird. <laughs> Some yeah. people might think was weird. But a, but a good memory nonetheless. Yeah. It's still dads and their personalities, what we remember and what we love about them. Yeah. I asked you to share that because I think there are teachers. Mm. <laughs> Here's Parker grumbling like an old man. Um, I think there are teachers who know curriculum. Yeah. And I think there are teachers who want to share an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you consistently come home and talk about the experience that you give your, yeah. your students. And like you said, whether they're six years old or 69 years old, yeah. um, there's, there's an intention to feel, which is the entire reason that we wanted you here. Um, because you do, you feel so deeply and you can pull, you know, so many intricacies and, and talk about them with so much passion. Um, and, you know, you talk about the music, or sorry, music being a community mm-hmm. in the past and it, it not necessarily existing the way it used to. Sure. But you, you still involve yourself and you still you still <coughs> create that with your friends and, and in, yeah. in this community. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the community now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, when I, and, it, and I know it's men's month, um, and I, I want to bring up too about how when I was when I was growing up, it seemed to me that more bands were male, and then when Kelly and Andrew, and that's not totally true. I know people are going to say Pointer Sisters, yeah, Diana Ross, and, and like that that there always always have been groups of women as yeah. well. But is there something about it for men that when you're a group of men playing together, that you do f- use the emotions more, you help feel more? I I don't know. Is this something that's good? That's a good question. I think, you know what, I think historically speaking, men have had a harder time expressing themselves emotionally. And like you said earlier, you know, some women have a hard time, some men have an easy time, but I think by and large, it, it's been a difficult thing, and especially men with other men. And, and I, can, I can speak to that too, right? I've always had a lot, a, a much easier time talking about those kinds of things to girls, be it my mom, you know, or Kelly. But it's been difficult to speak about certain things with men, and I think, you know, you can communicate that through through music, be it in a lyrical content, be it in in a in a listening experience, or or even better, maybe watching watching a band perform something. Right, you're you're both listening to the content of a song together and resonating with it, and sharing in that experience. So I think that can be kind of cool. You talked about artists being mainly men. I think in the industry. If we, if we go to the, to the industry side of things, the, the people who I work with who are backing artists up, so, you know, the guitar players, the drummers, the bass players, that's mostly men. In all of my career, I can think of one girl who I played with who wasn't, sorry, she was an artist, but she was also, like, she was the lead guitar player in the band. Everyone else who I've, or sorry, any other female who I've ever worked with in the industry has been the front person, has been the singer, has been the artist, has been the writer. Uh, so it's it's still largely a male-dominated industry. And I don't know where that comes from. I've thought a lot about it. I have roughly equal amounts of, of girls and guys as students right now. Mm. Right? It seems to be the guys that take it further. I don't know whether it's just... I don't know whether it's a product of popular culture or if it's... Or, I don't even know. 
another thing to note is that in the last several decades, even more than that, right? Ever ever since technology's been evolving, music has become uh, more of a personal experience than a community experience. If you think back to before we had the capability to record anything, the only way you could ever hear music was to to see people perform it live. And you were immersed in that experience. That was the only thing you were taking in, you know. You weren't on your cell phone. You didn't have a book out at the concert, hopefully. Um, <laughs> it was it was just that you were experiencing it with, with a group of other people. All at the same time, go home, you could talk about it. You could talk about maybe how it was different for you. But at the end of the day, you all witnessed the same thing. You also went out with the intention to listen. Yeah. Yeah, because I know we've been out to listen to Holly. Yep. Uh, and you play as well. And you've talked about listening rooms sure. versus just going out to a bar and hearing, you know, an artist play and how they're they're now background music. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a bar setting, I, I would largely agree that it's just people are there for another purpose. The band is secondary. Maybe that's how it's always been in bars. I don't know. But I think as a whole, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're moving to more of a personal listening experience with the advent of, you know, with cell phones, with headphones. You see everybody walking around with headphones in. Uh, you don't know what they're listening to. And and I think, too, you're seeing that in, in kids more today, too, uh, through high school. You know, they're not sharing that, that same experience that, that we were lucky enough to have. I remember still, I mean, I wasn't around for records. Uh, that's a big part of my life now and has been since I was a teenager. But you, Karen, you've talked about... At, every Friday going and picking out a record and coming home and listening to it in that experience. And that's, that's, that's really cool. That's an active listening experience versus a passive listening experience. So we're, I'm so guilty of, of passive music listening in my everyday life. I'll have it on all the time when I'm cooking, when I'm driving. Uh, and, I, and I've noticed it's a pattern for me too that I make less time for active listening than I do passive. It's rarer for me to sit down, throw a record on, just sit on the couch and only listen to that. Okay, so anybody that knows Kelly and I knows that we don't listen to the radio or anything in the car. Yep. It's silent. Yep. Um, well, and if they listen to the podcast, it's because there's usually people that are dead in the back seat talking to <laughs> us. <laughs> and we have, we're listening to other things. But in our home, there's a lot of silence. Yeah. In the treatment rooms, we listen to music with no words, yep. instrumental music. Um, because they facilitate heal, the music facilitates healing. Right, and we're conscious of what we pick. That's fair. We're con. Yeah, it's cool, eh, Eric. Yeah, like all of them. I I know for me the selection of music that I have in my world. I'm so conscious of the words, and I they're like and Kelly might say this, but like they're like tiny little fists punching <laughs> in the face. <laughs> If they're not kind, and I find so much of the pop music today is so unkind. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I, I feel that. I feel, I feel like they're in the car hitting me or something. <laughs> so I don't want that experience. Yeah. I, I want the experience that if I'm going to cook, I'm going to think, do I need silence in the house? Right. Or if I'm going to listen to music... I'm really conscious about what I want to hear. I'm okay with being punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by Nat King Cole. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, you've also talked uh, and, and really done a, a great explanation of um, music being compressed. 
Yeah. Do you mind? Um, do you mind kind of illustrating that for people? Yeah, and I because I don't think people understand how music is put together. Okay, I think compressed in in content and in sound too, right? I mean, you you just talked about how how pop music is unkind, right? And I was thinking earlier today, um, before coming here about you know how maybe what guys listen to versus what girls listen to, uh, is different. But a lot of what's on the radio is, um, it's all the same. Sorry. So be it you're listening to the country station, you're listening to the rock station, you're listening to the pop station. Everything sort of has the same sound now. And, and the lyrical content of most things on popular radio is really meaningless, I think. Not like it used to be, you know, a few decades ago. Uh, that music is still out there. It's a lot harder to find. Um, but that's, that's the kind of stuff I, I tend to gravitate towards, right? And, you know, I, so when I'm throwing something on in the middle of the afternoon, I'm pretty conscious of what I'm picking. But the way music's put together, you have you have different ways of differentiating instruments in a mix of music that you're hearing on the radio. So volume, right? So how loud one instrument is versus another instrument, and also the the tones of, of each instrument. A bass guitar is very very low, right? An electric guitar, an acoustic guitar is somewhere in the middle. The you know human voice is also sort of in that range. It, it takes up a little bit more space, and then you have things like cymbals that are that are higher. So you can kind of look at it. From, from bottom to top as, as like a graph or the scale or something. So ideally, you want to have each instrument taking up its own space so you can really hear it. But what, what they do for pop music, and, and again, because we're all putting a million songs on our iPods, uh, our computers, wherever we're listening, or, or we're streaming now, which is even worse, the quality's gotten worse and worse. You're shrinking a file that was massive into this tiny, tiny thing so you know you can fit a bunch of it all in one little space. And then you're, you're putting your headphones in, right? And you've got this little tiny speaker driver in there that's only capable of handling so much of each frequency, right? So we're, we're really losing out as listeners, um, listening to music in that way. And so what's happening is they, you know, I, I read a really, really great article about, uh, about the use of compression and volume. So the trend in the last while in popular music has been to like turn everything up as loud as it can be and compress, compress it really, really tight, right? So everything's very squished. Uh, you're not getting the definition you would have uh, had it not been so squished like that. And so I'd notice you're driving, listening to the radio, and I'd, I'd feel tired, I'd feel fatigued. So, so this, that strategy in mixing music really, really wears on a listener's ears. I'd notice like if I was driving, I used to go pick a friend up at the airport in Toronto and bring him back quite often. So I'm in the car for seven or eight hours and, and most of it was listening to music and I noticed halfway through I'd be tired and I'd be like I'd be craving something easy and acoustic right where like a home recording I could throw on and hear a guy play and sing and, and that that was what it was it was just that it was it was so fatiguing and exhausting to listen to I think about oh, and, and I might get this wrong but Mariana's Trench did a song called Pop 101 yeah and they explain in very simple terms exactly the whole kind of um, formula for every single pop song that's on yeah. the radio these days. Yeah. And it is it's exhausting, and they make fun of it, uh, just saying kind of like they can't ever beat that Carly Rae Jepsen song <laughs> uh, because that's all people want. That's all people yeah. will play. Yeah. And like you say, everything's a passive listening. Yeah. So whether or not people are actually enjoying it, it's what we're being pumped with. Yeah, and, and unless you take the time and, and seek out better music, my opinion, but uh, you're not going to you're not gonna have that experience. And I know... There are many people that are writing music that yeah. want beautiful lyrics to be given to people. 
because it means something yeah. and that some people write to heal to heal sure to heal our soul of experiences some people write to express political views right. and i think of the dixie chicks and different groups that use their gifts in singing and creating music with instruments yeah. that want to have an impact that and want to use it in that way or dancers that want to express on the stage yeah. and 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 sh and share meaning yeah so it's i guess you know one of the beautiful things that that you get to do when you balance that left and right side of the brain <laughs> and pick up a guitar or pick or use your voice or a drum or whatever or dance is that we're trying to express something. Yeah. And, and in expressing it, that's energy given to someone else. It's the energy. And to me, or the colors and the ribbons. Yeah, you know, sure. like all in this, these conversations. And then I'm the receiver on the other end of it. So what am I receiving? Yeah. And I know that I've become, I have far, like a, a much better bar now um, as to what I'm filtering through and allowing in, into mm -hmm. that space. Sure. And I will work hard to find those people that will give me the higher quality. Yeah, you can you can feel the energy. And I mean, it, it's it's easy to see on stage, I think, how people are feeling, you know, when they're presenting you with their music. For me, I, I've had many times on stage where that was my head was in a million other places. Uh, a lot of the music I play in, in the pop country world, for me, it's not my favorite thing. And I think you can tell as in the audience, maybe that's not where I want to be that day. The one thing, another thing too about about music today is everyone's pushing an image. Whatever genre you're in, there's a certain image that um, record companies, you know, anyone who's buying your music wants you to live up to a, a certain physical image as well as a certain sound. And so you wind up with these, these front people quite often where it's one person, it's one name, uh, and then you have support for them. And that's, I mean, that's great for me because I get a job. Right, but it's you're not getting the same kind of quality. You're not getting the same dedication um, as you know a band who's been together for fifteen, twenty years. Right, who know each other inside out, who write together, who you know feel together, live together. It's it's a totally different thing. So I don't know if you can answer this, but why is that? So like, if I think of the Eagles, most people could name every single person in the Eagles. Yeah, the drummer, the guitarist, every single position, uh, probably like. They know every single position in detail <laughs> and they would know what the person looks like. And yet you might be able to say the name of another band and you only know the singer. Yeah. You don't really know the names and everything about everybody else in the band. Yeah. Is that accurate? Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the listener's responsibility. If, they, if that's something they want to want to know, then that's up to them. And I, and I hope that that's something that people, people still do. And that's that's active versus versus passive again, right? One thing for me that's been been a huge shame uh, in music listening is downloading MP3s. You know, you get an, an MP3, or sorry, you get a, you know you download an album, so you get you know ten or twelve songs, you get whatever it is, but you don't get liner notes, you don't get artwork, you don't get you don't get any of that. So you can't. It's harder to find that information unless I seek it out. Whereas before, you know, you pop your record open, and there on the front cover is a picture of five dudes. Right, with their names, what they play. Um, so it was more easily accessible then. Maybe not, sorry, not easily accessible because you can go on the internet and you can find that now. But it was in your face and, and, and it was because you were listening more actively.
should we play Guess That Song? <laughs> we could. They might like it more. Um, is there a difference between teaching males and females? Um, yes and no. I think I think that in my experience, the girls tend to work a little bit harder, and maybe maybe it's because of the age group I get though. A lot of my students, I'd say the bulk of them, are between the ages of ten and sixteen, and and maybe just because their their attention spans are a little bit better at that age, they're a little bit more. Um, in tune with with doing the work so they're the ones that they show up prepared they show up organized not to say the guys don't do it but i think less guys do they come with ideas right there they're some of them are more willing to share the music they like i think and i and i i've been thinking about this and i had a guy a young a young student you know and one of the first things i always ask them is what do you listen to Right, because I wanna I wanna tailor the lessons to to what they like, uh, and what their interests are, right? So that they wanna keep playing, right? It's not painful for them. We're not playing Mary had a little lamb. We're not playing if it's if it's a guy who loves Metallica, I'm not teaching him Justin Bieber, or whatever. And I think I think some guys maybe are ashamed to admit to to another another guy what they listen to. Maybe he really likes you know Taylor Swift, and is afraid to tell me that. Whereas, whereas girls, it's, it's a little more acceptable, I think, for girls to listen to anything. You know, so they come in and, and, and whatever they say is, is socially acceptable. Wow, Eric, I never would have thought that um, we could feel shame about the music. Yeah. So you, you've brought up a wonderful thing that you get to, well, that you've bothered to take the time to notice. Yeah. That, you've, that you can feel that. Yeah. Um, that you're perceiving it in somebody and then that you can have that discussion with them so that they actually have an opportunity to say what they like yeah. so that they can go forward. Yeah. Boy, like there's a whole set of skills right there. If anybody's listening to the show and has hung into the hour mark <laughs> and hopefully piles of people are because there's so many good points all yeah. the way through it and you've just given life skills that come right out of the music lesson. I think it's a <laughs> it's about stripping stripping that that shame away and just being okay liking what you like. But and at that age there's there's certain pressures to listen to certain things. Uh, certain things are cool. Certain things aren't cool. If you're talking about music making you feel something and you're a 15-year-old guy and you're resonating with a Taylor Swift song, then there's shame in what you're feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and it doesn't well maybe it does matter who's delivering it. Yeah. Uh, but but it does it comes down to a feeling. Yeah, and it's too bad, right? Because I mean, maybe you're just really in tune with your emotions and. Right. And you know. Perhaps it's perceived that you resonate more with a female perspective, and that's yeah. scary. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. It's it. Feelings are human. And Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, music is what's illustrating that. Yeah. Boy. I think you just hit on something in that music allows males to actually get in touch with their feelings yeah. and not feel shamed about it or teased about it. Sure. And it also allows them a place to actually express it without being teased about it. They're actually being seen as brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think too, like once you reach a certain point, sorry, if you're, you're that guy in the band, right? That's writing about his feelings, but you're on stage, you're playing an instrument all of a sudden, you're cool. All of a sudden, you know, it's okay to say those things. Whereas if you're just Joe Blow going through life, you know, 
it's not acceptable. I think, look at Prince. Prince is such a good example of this, right? Uh, you can talk about defining gender roles in music. Prince completely defied that. He was on top of the world for, for years, um, not only because of his musical genius, but because of his showmanship, right? Is it safe to put David Bowie in the same category? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right, and Prince was so cool. Everybody loved him. And it's funny, but but nobody would walk around dressed like that. Or like, you know, like the public wasn't walking around dressed like that. Like like everyone walked around dressed like Eminem when they were 12 years old in 2001. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baggy pants. That was special. Bleach blonde hair. Yeah, been there. <laughs> well, you know, I was just going back um, to, to identifying with female or male. I think about when Ryan Adams did the entire 1989 album from yeah. Taylor Swift and... I remember reading, um, I don't remember where it was, but there were critics who would refuse to critique her album, but did so as soon as Ryan Adams covered it. Right. And wrote about how the album was so mature and had yeah. such a, an, a mature sound. Yeah. And it was Taylor Swift's pop stuff. She's yeah. writing about the same thing she's, already, she's always written about. And it was more acceptable from an acoustic male perspective than it was from a female pop yeah, perspective. Yeah, that, that was acceptable from a music snob's perspective, because, or, sorry, <laughs> perception, <laughs> because because of who Ryan Adams is. That's also a really neat point, right, that that illustrates how changing the sound of something, right, can, can change your opinion of it. And Well, someone was willing to validate yeah. the emotion based on whether or not it came from a female or a male. Right. And called one more valuable. Sure. Um... Is this 2017? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to to expressing emotion. And, you know, when, when you're in a band and you have that kind of power and uh, it, it all of a sudden becomes cool. Gord Downey has been huge in, in the news lately, right, because of his his diagnosis. And so, so we're seeing more of the tragically hip again than, than we've seen before. And we'll play a clip really quickly here. Let's watch more dance. Let's read more poetry, let's see more art, let's sing more songs. It's, uh, you know, get out of the rinks one night a week, for God's sakes. Just be okay with that. Be okay with expressing yourself. And expressing yourself means risk. And risk means vulnerability. And all of that is okay. Art never killed anybody. And you know what? As painful as it is, art never ends. So this was uh, George Strombolopoulos put out a show called Hip 30 uh, a couple weeks back, and it's it's four and a half hours of interviews with the band, um, other Canadian artists, and it's it's their it's their colleagues and and up and comers in in the Canadian music scene covering their music and, and discussing sort of everything that they meant to to those people, you know. And, and Gord talks about how important it is to embrace art in in our in our society and. It's kind of funny, right? They're they're one of the biggest Canadian bands ever. Uh, they're they're a group of people, or, or I guess their music is is something that we really identify with, or a lot of Canadians really identify with, um, and is part of our national identity. Um, and and the other the other point he makes is you know get away from the rinks for for a night and you know embrace the art and culture. Funny enough, you know they they have a couple hit songs about hockey players, about 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 the stories surrounding that. And it's it's really cool, I think, for a young man or any man to hear to hear Gord Downey, who's someone they probably grew up listening to, validate feeling and validate that that's okay. So I think that that's a really great thing he's done for for our country and for you know for men 
I think it's fantastic. Is your comfort zone when you're behind your guitar? Sure, yeah. Because I... I've been fortunate enough to watch you in a lot of different, I'll say homes, um, just in casual conversation where when you're asked questions, you'll strum the guitar kind of, <laughs> I'll, I'll say almost absentmindedly, but maybe you can correct that, um, where it almost seems to help you think because you know Karen and I see inside the brain mm-hmm. um, and we see how f- the neurons fire and, and how the thought process kind of, I'll say, comes together. Um, but you, your guitar seems to help that process along. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's something that, that I've had in my life since I was 11 years old, 12 years old, and it's, uh, it's what's been there for me, I think, through, through all the hard times, all the happy times, it, whatever it's been, it's always been there. I've always turned to it for, uh, to express myself. Does it actually help you process things? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So if, you're having to ha- if you have to have a difficult conversation, is it easier if you're holding the guitar or playing? You know what? I'll have to test that out. Oh. I don't know if I've ever had it around for, you know, in the moment, but I think, you know, yeah. when, when you're processing something that's happened or, you know, something that you're anticipating happening, yeah. um, it's, it's something that I turn to for sure. You said test the theory, but um, I've been present when there's been difficult conversations between both of us um, with a lot of anxiety. Both you and I, uh, where you've, I'll say, taken a time out, uh, picked up your guitar and run through. I don't. Do you call them chords or do you call them? Like yeah. Well, well, whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Where you've done it repetitively, uh, and then come back into the room and revisited the conversation, and I thought that was so fascinating, because it was frustration, it was anger. Yeah. Yeah. It was all kinds of emotions where we both needed a different headspace, uh, and you you went straight to your guitar. Right. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How was I different when I came back? Calm. Okay. You had clarity. Yeah. Um, there was, and, and I've never seen you lose patience um, or be disrespectful, but you walked away and seemed to come back in with uh, more of a structure of how you wanted the conversation to go. Right. Not with control, but yeah. with an idea of how to process and help me as well. Right. I think, you know, maybe, maybe in those situations where, where you're dealing with something like that, you feel, you feel powerless or you feel like you've lost control. And I think when I go to the guitar, that's, that's where I feel where like I'm myself, right? I feel completely comfortable with, with everything in that moment, you know, and, you know, maybe it's something I, you know, was playing earlier that day or, you know, something I've heard that I really enjoy. A lot of times I think I'll, I'll, you know, play around with the structures of songs that have, have really resonated with me and it takes me into that space uh, where I feel calm, I feel down to earth. You know, and I, and I, feel, I don't feel at all like I'm losing control anymore. I, I want to point out too that when you say you feel calm in those moments, you were playing electric guitar, you had it plugged into an amp, you were playing it extremely loud, <laughs> and it, didn't, it sounded anything but calm to someone like me who doesn't know music well. But you're describing right. it as your own calm. And I think yeah. that I think that's important for people to understand because if we go back to the beginning of the conversation or the podcast, talking about when you're 15 and resonating with something that's heavy and angsty and parents are trying to you know, persuade you in a different kind of way yeah. uh, or shut the music off altogether, you may be shutting down 
your child's coping mechanism sure, uh, or how they're learning to process things, which yeah. is what I, I watched you figure out on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you take that into the prisons? Can you take that into schools? Can you, and, and you know, Eric, I'm not asking you personally. I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking about every person who's hearing what you and Kelly just went through and how you articulated it, each of you. And it's what we hope each person on this planet could come to. Yeah. If each person on this planet could come to that space that you just talked about with you and your guitar in a moment where you don't know what you feel or how to express it, which is a war, which is um, so many, uh, it's terrorism, it's so many difficult things. You just talked about getting the emotional intelligence or spiritual all the different parts of the brain that came together, left, right, however you want to word it. Yeah. And, and you articulated it, it with kindness. Right. And it's, it's something we all need to learn to do. So that's why I, I word it that way. Can we take that into a Senate? Can we take that into a debate? Could we take that into uh, maybe a hockey rink. We still want them to skate and be wonderful athletes, but maybe can we do that instead of where they have to have a fist fight? Yeah. Like, are there different ways we can take it into a schoolyard or a business meeting? Um, In a perfect world, sure. Yeah. You know. Well, it goes back to talking about being a whole person. Yeah. Right? That That's what you're asking again. And you're, yeah. you're figuring out how to do that. And through asking better questions as a teacher... Yeah. You're giving that experience or that opportunity. Yeah, and I think, you, you know, we've talked a lot about how playing music helps you in those situations, helps you cope, helps you calm down, feel things differently. But I think listening can be just as valuable. There are a lot of people who I know who just love, love, love music. They don't, they don't play. I don't know whether maybe they've desired to or not, but for them, the listening part is, is good enough. You know, and I think if you listen intently enough, there, there's a there's a lot there you can take away from it, right? Past the past the lyrics, and and past what's visible at the surface, right? Like a good book or like a poem, right? You could go through a song fifty times with fifty people, and you could get different answers out of everybody every time. So I think, you know, I think anyone can use it as that sort of escape, or maybe not escape, but you might say escape, Eric, but it's access too. Yeah. So, which is like a little like wormhole or porthole. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know, when you're a kid and you're building a little tunnel in the house, you, you, we, we, all little kids in the snowbank, what do mm-hmm. we want to build? We want to build tunnels. Yeah. Because they lead us to something. Yeah. Sure. And I think too, if we're, if we're talking more about the education thing again, I almost wish that things weren't so accessible for people today. It's, it's too easy to get a hold of something. It, it's almost, I don't know, the resources available to learn an instrument today are at your fingertips anytime. They're on your phone. They're on the computer. They're, they're all over the place. And I don't think people have to work for it as much to get going sometimes, and they don't appreciate it as much. Uh, I remember being a kid. I remember being 12 years old and getting my snowmobile license. And I lived in a little town north of Sudbury, and you know, you get you get your license and your snowmobile license, and that's freedom, right? Because now you can hop on that and you can go to a buddy's place. And I remember saying, "Hey, Dad, can you can you drive me over to 
Chris's house. I want to, we're going to have band practice. It's like, not busy. So I'd like, you know, I'd go outside and I'd strap my guitar and my amp to my snowmobile drive over. It fell off the back a couple of times. I had to learn how to fix my guitar too. This is so Canadian. <laughs> but that, that whole experience around it, right? It, it made everything so, so much more gratifying when you got there, which is very cool. It's kind of like why you have to have a personal trainer instead of just going to the gym. Yeah. It's it's the personal connection to yeah. the trainer. Yeah. It's it's the personality. It's the energy exchange. Yeah. It's praise. It's encouragement that we need from another human being. Yeah. That's fair. It's 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 a relationship. Yeah. And that's what we are ultimately all on earth to have. Yeah. Is our relationships and the connectivity that we feel. Yeah. And that's what you're providing when you're teaching the instrument. Yeah, that's the goal. Do you dream you're playing? <laughs> uh, lately, it's been stress dreams about, about missing gigs, missing flights, and alarm clocks not going off. But Do you ever dream you're playing with Prince? I haven't had that dream. I've had similar dreams, though. Who have you played with in your dreams? I think most recently it was Brad Paisley. But it was, oh. it was stressful again. It was one of those things where, like, I got the call to be on stage, and I showed up but didn't learn any of the songs. Half an hour before, I've got my headphones in scrambling to learn them all. Oh, he's good. It's one of those he's things. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was so wonderful. Thank you for your time. And yeah. we're, we're always conscious to thank our guests for their time uh, and also for your knowledge, too. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was a blast. I appreciate it. Would you like to give contact information to listeners? Um, I should get business cards printed. You should. <laughs> <laughs> but for people listening, if you want to give a phone number or an uh, access to you, if um, they're wanting the experience that you provide as a teacher. Yeah. Can we put my email in the link? Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. Perfect. Um, thank you so much to everyone for listening today. As always, we encourage you to email us with uh, questions or comments, hopefully tons after today. Uh, you can do so at info at com. Uh, we have two more shows coming up for Men's Month, so we look forward to talking to you on uh, each Saturday. And Eric, is it okay if I ask for you to play us out? Sure. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>